0: We're going to talk about selfing. Yes, I know selfing is not a word. I made it up. Maybe I didn't make it up. Maybe someone else made it up a thousand years ago. I don't know. But I'm making it up now. Selfing, it's a new word to me. Everyone is looking for a guru who will do it for them. Some way where effort isn't necessary or at least... Not as much effort. You are willing to make effort, but you'll have to look at yourself and notice you want to make as little effort as possible. I don't want to expend any effort. I don't want to make any effort that I don't have to make. And I certainly don't want to make any effort in areas where I don't want to make any effort. I'm willing to make effort in the areas where I'm willing to make effort, but in those other areas, can we talk about something else? What do we find when here, see here on this path, what is it we find? What we find is people who, if you just scold them just a little, they get up and leave. Now, you say, well, I've never gotten up and left. Oh, I beg to differ. I have seen you get up and leave three or four times in the course of one talk. You don't leave your seat. But you got up and left. And if you think you didn't, just check in once in a while and see who's listening or not listening or see where you are. You know, just check in every once in a while. You know, you find yourself in your mind somewhere playing in the field or shopping or reading a book or I don't know what you do when you're sitting there and you leave. You vacate your attention vacates the moment. So your attention is not strong, and so you can't keep it on something. Something else will drag it away. And I don't know where you go, but I know you vacate the present moment. You're not here. I look at you, and I could knock on your head to get you to come back. Is there anybody in there? Why? Why is it that people get scolded, get up and leave? Because we're born incomplete with the capacity to self-develop. That's why people get up and leave, if they're scolded a little bit, because they haven't agreed to develop. They haven't agreed to develop themselves in that area. That doesn't mean they don't need development. They may think they need development, but they're not willing to do it now. So they get up and leave. Okay, that's your right. Though you may get help, no other person can develop you. Only you yourself can do this. We want so badly to have a guru, a master, a savior, a messiah who will do it all for us. We all want that because it is our nature. It's a symptom of our condition. It's a symptom of of our disease to want someone else to do it. Now, let me tell you why that is. We blame people for our feelings. We blame people for our negative emotions. When I say feelings, I mean negative emotions. We blame people for our negative emotions. You, You all understand this. We don't have to whip this poor dead horse anymore, right? We all blame people for our negative emotions. We do it automatically without ever giving it a thought. It rarely ever dawns on us, oh, I'm blaming you for my negative emotions rarely ever dawns on us, but occasionally it does. If we've worked hard, if we've taken our attention and planted it in good soil and cultivated it and watered it, then we can grow some consciousness. And so once we've grown some consciousness, we can have consciousness about this. Because consciousness is no good unless it's consciousness of something. You must be conscious of something. It's no good to just be conscious of nothing. We're all conscious of nothing all the time. You know, It's like, that's called you know brain fade. We all have entire hours of that in front of the television or in front of the movies or wherever people go to have brain fade. That's all it is. Uh, you know, You go and listen to the fan hum or whatever. The church, the army, the monastery, self-help books, seminars, retreats, classes, don't develop people internally because we're self-developing organisms. We are born self-developing. We're not finished. We must complete the job. We are like acorns. We must complete the job. We won't be oaks unless we do what needs to be done with an acorn. We won't grow unless we do what needs to be done with this seed that we are given. All of these external disciplines, obeying rules, they don't develop the internal side of us. You can go to church and light candles. You can go to the temple and burn incense. You can go to the mosque and put your prayer rug down and bow down this many times. And you can do all of those things, but they will not change you inwardly. They will not in and of themselves change you inwardly any more than if you have appendicitis. Washing your skin around the painful area with soap and water or putting alcohol on the skin around the area will change the internal condition. Do you understand? That's how it is. We may not like that's how it is. We've been told it's some other way. But you have to realize sooner or later that it doesn't work. That in and of itself is not the answer. And I'll explain why, because I like to explain things. All these things tend to increase false personality. They tend to increase your ego. They tend to increase this acquired side of us, this side of us that's not real, this side of us that life has formed, this barnacle that has grown around us because of the action of life that covers us, that encases us, that also imprisons us. It protects us, but it also imprisons us. There's a price for protection, right, Guido? And sometimes it's a high price. If you can fast longer than anybody else, if you can meditate better than anybody else and you don't move and you sit in the right position and you meditate all day and you do this and you do that, will this change you? It's a trick question, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it will change me. Well, not really, because we'll tend to modestly mention it to others or dwell on it mentally. And that will inevitably increase false personality and ego. We start to mildly compare ourselves with others. Oh, well, yes, I confess longer than you. Oh, I can meditate better than you. It's a very dangerous game we play when we do that, because we will... Find a way to let it slip out. And you know what's getting the credit for that. You know what's behind that. It's false personality. It's the ego, constantly sucking energy for itself. We begin to change only when we begin to see ourselves, and therefore, once we begin to see ourselves, apply what the work teaches us to do. You see, what this work teaches us to do is absurd. Nobody's going to do this. Nobody's going to say, oh, yeah, I'm not one. There are many different eyes. I'm many different eyes. And nobody's going to say, oh, yeah, I can't do no, I can't do anything. No, nobody's going to say that. Nobody's going to say, oh, I'm I'm totally asleep all the time. Nobody's going to say that. This work teaches you to start to see those things about yourself, but you have to actually see them. It's not good enough to go around and say, oh, uh, yes, I'm asleep. I'm many. I, I can't do. It doesn't do any good. It doesn't change you inwardly. All it does is feed your false personality because now you're saying the right things. There's nothing worse than saying the right things, especially if you don't know what you're talking about, which is all the time we don't know what we're talking about. One of the first things this work tells us is that lying is talking about things as if you knew what you were talking about when you don't. If our lips are moving, we're lying most of the time. That's just the way it is. We talk about things that we don't know about. We've heard about them and we've accepted them and we believe them, but do we know them? First hand experience of those. No, no, we don't. So funny. Somebody said to me yesterday, Well, if you're in the Word all the time, and they meant if you're reading the Bible all the time. And then someone else said to me, Well, these people who meditate, they think that's going to do something for them, but that doesn't do anything. There's only one way, and you have to believe what I believe because nothing else will work. And I said, Well, doesn't what you believe say that you have to meditate on the Word? Well, yeah, and I do that all the time. I said, Oh, okay. And, and she, to me, it means something totally different. To me, the word is a living thing. The word is not just—it's not this book. It's not what's written in this book. It's not what's written in the Quran. It's not what's written in the Gospels. It's not—it's not all that stuff. That's just words. That means nothing. The word is the verb. It's the action. The word in Greek that is translated into our word "word" really is verb the verb it's not the word of god It's the verb of god see a verb is an action word it's the active thing if it's not being applied it's dead it's a noun it's an adjective it's not doing it's a descriptor it describes something in action but it's not in action if you haven't put this word into action if you're just a hearer but not a doer not an actor it's pointless become not just a hearer but a doer you've got to act it out you've got to do this you've got to develop yourself this is self-development no one can do this for you you must do this otherwise it all goes to false personality it all goes to ego Maurice Nicole said it is possible to teach a man this work it is not possible to make him work on himself this is so important to get. Remember, the key here is external consideration. So if you understand that it is impossible to get a man to work on himself, can you see how all of a sudden your life is so much easier? All of a sudden your relationships are so much easier. Look, I can't make this person work on themselves. I can't change them and I can't make them work on themselves. Do you see all of a sudden you're free? Now, there is someone you can work on. You, <laughs> you know, there is someone you could change. You. You. Now you can put your efforts that have been wasted on this other person all this time, now you can put them to good use. You can work on the only person that can develop you, you yourself. Now you can do it, and you don't have to worry about anybody else. All that energy that went into getting those other people to do what they're supposed to do, all that energy now can go to you. Isn't that wonderful? Well, uh, it's kind of a two-edged sword, you know. It maybe it's wonderful. I'm not quite sure about that. You're making it sound good, but you have a way of making things sound good that are not really that good. It's like that the Connie's that green smoothie you drink in the morning, you know. Yeah, you have a way of making it sound good, but then when I taste it, it's not so good. Well, but tastes great to me. It doesn't taste so great to her. It's an acquired taste. It's like breathing, people. We don't breathe. You know you don't breathe. This ridiculous thing that we call breathing is absurd. You know, we breathe in the top from like here, the solar plexus up is how we breathe. We don't breathe down here where we're supposed to be breathing. You know, you look at the baby, a baby or an animal, the way they breathe, their stomach's moving. You look at us, it's our chest is moving. We don't breathe. And it's just like that. We don't do anything to the depth that it needs to be done. It's an acquired thing. You have to train yourself to do this. You have to teach yourself to breathe. You have to consciously move your breath down, 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 down. I know you're trying it right now. I can see, but look on your face, the concentration. Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> but you know, it gets to be second nature after a while. It's like driving. You learn to drive. Oh, it's so hard. I'll never get this. Oh, parking, parallel parking. Oh, why do I have to parallel park? It's so hard. Now they have cars that do it for you. I know. Isn't that incredible? You just pull next to the parking place and the car decides whether or not it can fit in there and then gets in. Yeah. Yeah. Just just goes boop, 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 and parks itself you, you just take your hands off the wheel and it parks itself. How bizarre is that? so talk about idiots. I mean <laughs> we are idiots. Gerchief was right twenty eight kinds of idiots. I think I must like be twenty six kinds maybe twenty seven because I know one idiot is for God, and i 'm sure i 'm not that good and' I'm an idiot yet, so you know i 'm like twenty i don 't know whatever i 'm an idiot we 're idiots, we want everybody to do it for us. We want cars to park themselves for us I don't know, man. Just get a valet guy to park your car, okay? It's cheaper than paying $30,000 for a car that, $30,000 extra just so the car parks itself. You know, I'm not saying it's a $30,000 car. My God, it's probably a $60,000 car that parks itself. It's like, oh. Don't parallel park. It's the secret to life. Don't (laughs) don't parallel park. We need to get back on track here because I'm wasting time. Can you imagine? What a concept. Wasting time. Time doesn't even exist. How can you waste it? Oh, well, whatever. You can find any number of people who spend their lives going from one teacher to another with no thought of working on themselves. That's why they go from one thing to another. It's called contact highs. You remember when we used to be druggies? Well, maybe not you guys, but I am a child of the 60s. I just watched the film, Taking Woodstock. And I was laughing away. Oh, I remember this. Oh, I remember that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I am a child of the 60s, so I remember Woodstock. You know, I remember when that whole thing went down. And somebody said, well, you went, right? No, I didn't go to Woodstock. I was in Florida, not going to Woodstock. And I wasn't a hippie. I was just some guy working in a burger joint trying to figure out what I was doing here. That's what I was doing. I was just some guy killing cows and flipping burgers, feeding them to people, building up karma. (laughs) Yeah. So they rushed from high to high, contact high. Contact high was you get around somebody who was high, you know, and you'd kind of start to get high because they were high. Well, you get around somebody who's happy, you start to get happy because they're happy. You get around somebody who smiles, you start to smile because they smile. Either that or you're like really resistant and you punch them in the face. Yeah, now you got nothing to smile about and they still smile, then you want to kill them. There are people like that. Just don't be one of them, okay? Only you can do that for you. But you can, there, people do radiate and you can pick up the radiation, whatever it is. And so you get around somebody who's depressed and it's like, okay, well, I think maybe I'm going to another room here. You can feel it. Once a person begins to work on himself, that's when he begins to meet the work internally. There are people who spend their whole lives in this work and never meet the work internally. They never take it inside. It never applies to them. It's all catalogued, sorted, dated, arranged in the intellectual center, in the library of the intellectual center. It's all in the books. It's all up there. And they can access it and give great long discourses on it at any time. Jesus talked about those people. He said, you scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites. You lay these burdens on people, but you won't even touch them with a little finger. You won't even touch them with your finger. You make your disciples twice as fit for hell as you are yourselves. He was a very popular guy saying that to the religious leaders of that time. You have no idea how grateful they were for that rebuke. They all just said, oh, thank you. Thank you, Master. Thank you so much. I'm going to mend my ways and become a different person. No, they didn't do that, did they? Mm. It's kind of the same way it is, you know, you scold somebody a little bit, he gets up and leaves. If you're lucky, sometimes he comes back with a gun, if you're unlucky. The work will teach us internally, but for a long time, we have to have a lot of external reminders. You know, this work has already begun to teach you internally. But isn't it amazing how many external reminders are helpful and how many you really need? It's like, thanks, that's a good reminder. Jess, you said something about, oh yeah, this morning you said something about the reminder about, look, all these people in your life, you have this karmic connection, you need to be working these things out. Jess was like, oh, well that changes things. That's a whole different perspective. It's not like you, you haven't heard this before, it's just that every once in a while the current reminder is the one that takes. It's like, okay, yeah, I've been reminded 12 times, but this time I got it. It's like spitballs. <laughs> you remember when, well, okay, maybe you didn't do it, but you remember when you were in school and you used to, people, some people would make these little things and throw them up on the ceiling and sometimes they stick and sometimes they didn't. Or little spitballs, you'd put them up against the wall, sometimes they stick and sometimes they didn't. It's like that. Sometimes it sticks, sometimes it doesn't. You don't know why. Maybe it didn't hit the right spot. Maybe it wasn't ready. You don't know why. But we need these constant external reminders for a long, long time. But the work is still working on us internally, but still, we still need a lot of external reminders. It takes so long because our our lower centers must be connected with the higher centers. Why should this be so difficult? Really, think about this. Why should this be so difficult? You hook this center up with this center. You hook this center up with that center. Why should that be so difficult? The reason it's so difficult is because our lower centers have become encumbered with rust and dirt, making it all but impossible to receive the transmissions from the higher centers. It's like this. It's like if you have this big wax buildup. Some people have this big wax buildup in their ears. They have to go and have their ears cleaned often, like every six months. They just build up a lot of wax in their ears. It's just the way their, their body works. And then they go and they have their ears cleaned and they come out and they go, wow, I can hear. You know, and then they're covering their ears because they can hear all of a sudden. No, do not so loud, not so loud. Yeah, it's kind of amazing, actually. And so it's, it's like that. You know, this buildup of rust and dirt makes it all but impossible to receive these transmissions from the fully developed higher centers that are transmitting all the time. Look, the higher centers are transmitting all the time, all the time. It's just being poured forth. The sun is shining all the time. It's just pouring out its power and radiation and light all the time. But, but we're in darkness. Yes, because there's something between us and the sun right now. But it's cloudy. Yes, yes, that's because but the sun's not there. No, the sun is behind the clouds. Our job is to get rid of the clouds. Our job is to remove the things that are standing between us and the higher centers. And the things that are standing between us and the higher centers is our own dirty, rust-encrusted lower centers where we live unconsciously. And if it's unconsciously, it's in chaos. You must see that a machine doing whatever it wants to do is chaos. What happens when machines go wild? When machines get out of control, when the operator can no longer control it, the best thing to do is get away from it. If you can hit the shut-off switch, the emergency shut-off switch, great, shut it off. But if you can't, get away from it. I learned that from a guy who was rototilling a trench in my backyard one time. And he accidentally hit the chain-link fence with it. And it started eating the fence. And he's hanging onto it. And then all of a sudden, you just saw him let go and walk away. And the rototiller went up the fence, tore the fence up, then fell back and shut off. Then he went over and fixed all the mess. He was the controller, and it just got hold of the chain link fence. And once it did, it just kept eating that up, just like it would eat up the earth, only now it had hooks to hook onto, and it just went climbed right up the fence. He just walked away from it, let go and walked away. Now, that was smart. I've seen other people who were, that was a trencher. I've seen other people with rototillers, and the rototiller running down the road, you know, bouncing, bouncing across the dirt with boom, 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 and they're holding onto it, trying to stop it. It's like, uh, that's not going to work. Why don't you water that and let it settle for a while, and then go back and rototill that's you're not going to be able to rototill that granite just now. It's like that. Our centers are encumbered with rust and dirt. And so it's not easy for, for, the, for, the, for the light to get through. It's not easy for the heat to get through. It's not easy for the radiation to, to get through to us. You know, there are clouds and objects in front of the sun and we're not getting what's shining all the time. So that's what it's like. At rare moments, we realize an inspiration, a strange, peaceful, happy state. Every once in a while, if you've been in this work, all of a sudden you just, for no reason, you just notice you're in this strange, kind of happy, peaceful state. It's like, wow, we call it a gift or grace. Actually, it is. It is all of that. You know, it is the higher centers getting through to us. We clean some little spot, but then we become like a lizard on a rock warming itself in the sun, you know. It's like, oh, well, that's really nice. That feels nice. And you don't know why, but it's just there. It happens. And what it is, is any intense emotional state may connect us momentarily with higher centers. This is why a sickness, a near-death illness, so often connects people with higher centers. It's an intense thing. I might have died. A big accident where you almost die. You know, it's a big emotional thing. connects you with higher centers. There are people who get very, very angry, so angry they want to kill, and all of a sudden they're connected with the higher center. They come to themselves and they don't kill. Oh my God, I was so, I lost it. I absolutely lost it. You've had these experiences, yeah? Okay. Yeah, I just need to know that we're still on the same page here. Don't worry, there are not many pages. I'm almost done. I always say I'm almost done, don't I? I'm never really almost done. Isn't that good, though? If we were done, then they're like, okay, this is it. No further development. This is it. We're done. No, but we, it's time to be turned over. That's all. <laughs> We're done on this side. And then we've got a lot of other sides. And then after that, there's a lot of other eyes. You know, so we've got some work to do. We are capable of states lower and higher than our ordinary states. This is a basic fact about us that is crucial to understand. You must understand that you are capable of higher and lower states than your ordinary state. You can go up or you can go down. You can get better, or you can get worse than just the way you are ordinarily, and the way you are ordinarily is pretty irritating. I mean, let's face it. We have a tremendous amount of unpleasant manifestations. We can see, obviously, that other people do, but just back up a little bit and look, and well, if you're seeing it in other people, guess what? It's there, too. It's in you. So we have unpleasant manifestations. I know. I just stayed with some people in their home for a couple of days, and I could tell some of my ways of just ordinarily doing things were unpleasant manifestations to them. Some people don't like it when you snore at 3 o'clock in the morning and wake them up. I don't understand that. (laughs) They don't like it. That, to them, is an unpleasant manifestation. To me, it's just sleeping. This didn't happen. I'm making that up. Because I asked them, I said, did I, I, like, snore or something? Was that really loud or something? They said, no, we didn't hear you at all. I said, I just wondered. And they said, why? I said, well, both your bedroom doors were closed. And they said, oh, no, that's the way we always do it. I said, okay, whatever. But you know, I realized that being with people that we have unpleasant manifestations, the best of us do, because we never know how other people are going to take things. This may be completely innocent to you, but to someone else, it is an annoying, unpleasant manifestation. And we've all got them. You can't cheat your own development. This is one of the other things. a self-developing organism, this is selfing. You must do this yourself. That's what selfing is you doing it yourself. It's not expecting someone else to do it for you. You can get a boost from other people. But hopefully, you get a boost from being here. Hopefully, you feel the radiation of love. Hopefully, you feel some of the light. Hopefully, some of it radiates and sweeps you up in it. You know, my enthusiasm for this work, my love for this work, my love for you, my love for what we're doing my love for our possibilities hopefully some of that sweeps you up and moves you and inspires you and that's good you can get that but it will not carry you across the ocean it will not carry you all the way it just the purpose of it is to turn you inside of yourself so that you begin to work on yourself that is its purpose it's a boost so that you can see what's available to you what you're working for what direction to take, which way to move. That's what all this is for. But don't expect someone to do it for you. This is selfing. You must do it yourself, even though you can get a lot of help. But you take all the help in the world. Let's say, whatever your religion is, let's say your religion is Islam, and Muhammad could come back and take you up with him. You couldn't stay. Unless you were like Muhammad, you couldn't stay. And trust me, there were not many people like Muhammad. He was incredible. He was an incredible man of God, incredible prophet. He could do things that we cannot and will not do. He had control of his tongue. He had control of his palate. He had control of his actions. He had will and he could do. And he tried to teach his followers how to develop that. And some did and some didn't. So if he were to take you where he was, you would slowly float back down where you belong. Let's say you're a, a Jew and you're waiting for the Messiah. And Let's say the Messiah comes and he takes you as you are, right to where he is. You would end up back here because your being attracts your life. That's why. And unless you change your being, you cannot stay where you're lifted to. And that's how it works. But it sure is great to have a view from above. It's pretty wonderful. Somebody helps you up to see something that you couldn't see in your ordinary state of consciousness, and now you've got a target. Now you've got a name. Now you can fix your attention on something, and you know what you're working for. It's a tremendous boon. It's a wonderful thing. We could not do this without teachers. You know, when I studied classic guitar, I went to the college here, and they had this class, how to read music for the guitar. And so I went and took that class, and the teacher, you taught, and he said, you know, when you really want to learn, you get a teacher. He said, and then, he said, oh, it's not that you learn any different, it's that you learn faster. It just speeds the process up an incredible amount than doing it in a class. One-on-one tutoring speeds it up an enormous amount. Well, of course, we all know that, but for some reason, we don't apply it. For some reason, we don't apply it. We know it, but, oh, I can't afford that. or Well, you can't afford not to if you want to develop. See, that's what we need to be reminding ourselves. You need to be reminding yourself not what you can't afford to do, what you can't afford not to do. That is where your mind needs to be working. You can't afford not to do some of these things. You have already afforded not to do them. And look at where it's gotten you. But look at the things you have afforded yourself. That have progressed you. It's all there, if you'll look at it. So you can't cheat your own development. There are certain drugs that will open up higher states to you. But eventually, they lead to lower states. You know why? Because you're buying on credit. You get a free ride to this higher state. And there are esoteric schools that use drugs under certain conditions. The American Indians used peyote. They used drugs under certain conditions with a shaman, with a a holy man, who would guide the person on a journey. And it would expand their consciousness. And with a proper guide and the proper method, it can help. But it's not just recreation. They didn't use it as recreation. They used it as a holy sacrament. And the purpose was to expand their consciousness. Yeah. And it worked. So kids go out, oh, I'll get some peyote, and I'll expand my consciousness. And they end up worse off than they were. Why? Well, because they're buying on credit. They're not paying. But I'll tell you what, an American Indian, when he went, he paid. And I'm not talking about in Wampum, he paid. He could only go when he had reached a certain point, and that point took a lot of work. He had a lot of things to do before he was accepted by the holy man, the shaman, whoever it was, to take him on this journey. All he acted was as a guide. He didn't actually take him on the journey, he just guided his journey so that he didn't have any missteps. Look at how many people take drugs and have a bad trip or end up killing themselves, ODing. And it's because they had no guide. It's because there was no one who understood those realms, the higher realms. There was no one there who could warn them, don't go there, go here. And that's what these men are for. That's what these schools are for. And that's why they could do that. But we do it and we end up in lower states. People end up addicted. People end up out on the street. People end up ruining their lives. It's because they bought on credit and they couldn't pay when the time came to pay. And that's how that works. You are borrowing from tomorrow when you do that. This work teaches us to pay in advance. We pay beforehand. In this work, we work first and then we get the reward. We don't buy on credit, get the reward, and then do the work. Because I'll tell you what, a lot of people buy on credit and it's repossessed because they realize, eh, I don't think I really want it. It wasn't worth it. Uh, well, I can't pay. Well, I'd rather have this. And then it has to be repossessed because they bid off more than they could chew. Here, we pay first and then we chew. How do we pay? By working on three lines of work. Work on yourself, work in connection with others, and work for the work itself. The first line of work is to make false personality with ego passive. Work on yourself. The purpose of the whole thing, the purpose of you-selfing, working on yourself, is to make your false personality, to make your ego passive passive so it no longer controls you runs you makes you flip people off when they cut you off in traffic makes you angry when someone says this makes you depressed when someone says that makes you feel this way when the sun isn't shining makes you feel that way when the stock market crashes all of that to make all of that passive so that it no longer has control of you that's the first line of work and it's a huge 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 line of work but every once in a while your first line of work becomes stale you're working 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 but it's stale nothing's happening then you need to switch lines of work you need to switch to another line of work do the second or third line of work If your first line of work has grown stale do the second or third line of work it's guaranteed to refresh your first line of work so the first line of work making the false personality the ego passive only you can do this the second line of work is external considering as i've said the third line of work is understanding what direction is being given and what will help the work fulfill its mission we have a mission We have a purpose. We have something to do. That's why we put out these podcasts. That's why we do what we do, because we have something to do, because this is the time for this. It wasn't the time for this 10 years ago. It wasn't the time for this 50 years ago. It's the time for this now, and that's why we're doing it. And now there are people who help with the third line of work so that this mission that we have can be fulfilled. They understand what it is we're doing, and they help it. In whatever way. Some people help it financially, some people help it by working on the website, some people help it by putting up with me so that I can make these podcasts and so that I can edit them and so that I can do all this stuff and put it out there for people. This is all part of the mission. This is all part of what we're doing. This is all part of our charge. This is all part of what you are part of. Some do the third line of work without being able to do the first line of work. Some people work on the third line of work. They're great at doing the website or doing this or doing that and they can't do the first line of work. They can't work on themselves. Some people can serve the second line, but they're not able to serve the first and the third line. Some people find it easy to work with other people, external considering, but they can't do the first and they can't do the third. But we can all serve one or the other, and that's what we need to be doing. We all need to be serving one or the other, either serving the first line of work, serving the second line of work, or serving the third line of work. If you can do more than one, great, then do that. That's terrific. You'll get to the point where you can do all three at once, just like juggling. You start off with one ball, and then you put add another one, then you have two, and then you add another one, then you have three. That's how it works. So if you're serving the first line of work and it becomes stale, think of how you might serve the second line of work. How? Well, try not being hostile and negative towards the other people here in the work. Well, there I do. Well, maybe I'll get back to the first line of work. These people are impossible. But you know, have you ever noticed how incredibly negative and hostile you can get towards somebody in the room? All they have to do is open their mouth and you instantly turn them off. Click. That idiot. They're going to talk again. Oh, God. Has that moron ever had anything to say? Why don't you wake up? That way, that's the second line of work. That's a good time for the second line of work. See, When you start doing that, time for the second line of work. Because clearly you're not going to do the first line of work. If that's what you're doing with them, clearly you have no intention of working on yourself. So then work on the second line of work. When you catch yourself being hostile and negative toward other people, duh, it's time to work on the second line of work, external consideration, because you've given up the first line of work. You have now abandoned your perfect self. Well, I don't need anything. They need it. Now it's time for the second line of work. You're told to observe and not to identify with negative emotions. Now, if we really observe ourselves, then we're sure we're not negative. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, I I observe myself and I'm not negative. We're, We're always so sure of that. Have you ever noticed that? How sure it's not you that's negative? It's that other person who's negative, it's not you. So obviously being told not to identify with negative emotions and actually not identifying with negative emotions are two different things. So there's the outer and then there's the inner. Unless we see that we're negative, we can't begin to work on ourselves. But we observe ourselves and we see that we're not negative. Then you can't work on yourself. You must observe yourself and see that you are negative. What good does it do to observe yourself and see that someone else is negative? You're not observing yourself. But what if I'm really not negative? Then, my friend, you have ascended beyond us. (laughs) If you've canceled all debts, if you are never negative, then either you haven't found it, which is very likely, and you're living strictly in imagination, Or you have left this plane of existence and I'm talking to a mere wisp of a memory of a person. If you find yourself full of envy, malice, hatred, derision, it's always your fault and not the person who said the stupid or unpleasant thing. But what they said really was stupid. Oh, yes, I agree. But if you're negative about it, it's your fault. But what they said was unpleasant. Yes, but if you're negative about it, it's your fault. It has nothing whatever to do with them. But they said, yes, they did. But you don't understand. No, you don't understand. And that's the problem. The problem is not that I don't understand. The problem is that you don't understand. You're negative and it's your fault. There are gurus and teachers and a few who are even worthy of the name. Not many, but there are a few. But ultimately, it is us. It's up to you. It's up to us. This is a self-job, selfing. You must apply to yourself whatever work they offer to you. In this work, we say life becomes your teacher. Life offers you opportunities to work. And when you use the work as a neutralizing force, as this space between you and life, so that life doesn't contact you directly, but it has to come through the work to get to you, then life is your teacher. Until then, life is a beach. Uh, No day at the beach. How's that? Life is no day at the beach. That's how it goes. You must remember that here, in this work, personality has scarcely any right to exist. This is what Gurdjieff used to say to people who had come to his institute in France. You must remember that here, in this work, personality has scarcely any right to exist. They had him paint over the walls. Always remember you are here having already understood the necessity of contending only with yourself. It's all about you, yourself. It's selfing. Thank everyone who affords you the opportunity to see yourself and to deal with yourself. I was so grateful for the guy who pulled in front of me and brake checked me and, you know, tried to do all that stuff, and then followed me down the freeway and playing bumper tag and doing all that. And when he finally pulled off the freeway, I just silently blessed him and thanked him and said, well, thank you for giving me an opportunity to get rid of that karma. I don't know what I did to you somewhere along the way, but whatever it was or whatever I did, I'm glad to have it work through. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Man, that was a lot better way to deal with it. You know, that was just such a more enlightened way to deal with it than what I might have done in the past, which was somehow get involved with the whole thing. If you can't generate gratitude, you'll go down in flames. (laughs) I promise, if you cannot generate gratitude in yourself, you are going down in flames. You will never succeed. If you can remember or submit yourself to this simple truth, your selfing will succeed. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like We find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.